In 2019, my husband and I moved to Southern Indiana and we immediately began looking for our people, the community to surround us and our kids. We know the value that comes when we are investing into and doing life with others. We decided to begin leading a life group so that we could also host. We're a special needs family and hosting our group was a great fit for us and thankfully our group understands and joins us here each week. Around the time we began leading our group, I started working for a businessman named Matt, who is an Orthodox Jew. I love listening to him talk about his faith and the ancient traditions that are rooted deeply in Christianity's beginnings and Jesus's culture. He's a leader in his synagogue and he knows the Jewish scriptures inside and out, and he lives a very strict kosher life. So I learned to make challah bread. Matt told me that he and his family have two loaves of challah bread on their table every Shabbat, which is the weekly Sabbath tradition from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. For Jews, challah bread represents the manna from heaven that Yahweh provided the Israelites as they wandered in the desert. For me, it's taken on a very different meaning. After a few tries and a few fails, I landed on a recipe that we all love. Every Wednesday morning, I wake up and I make the dough. It sits and rises all day. As I see it rising on the kitchen island throughout the day, I take moments in my day to pray for my friends in our group. After dinner, I roll, shape, and let the dough rise one last time before putting it in the oven to bake. I secretly love that my friends walk in the front door at 7.30 every Wednesday to the smell of freshly baked bread. We gather around the island in our kitchen, break bread, and catch up for a few minutes before we begin our study. The meaning of bread for our Jewish friends is beautiful and meaningful. For us as Jesus followers, bread has another meaning and it's core to our faith. Jesus used bread as a metaphor to describe the life that we receive from him. Bread also represents Jesus' broken body for us. When we break bread in our home each Wednesday with our life group, we're symbolically participating in the meal that Jesus and his disciples shared the night before Jesus was killed. And we're acknowledging the importance of what it means to lean on Jesus for everything that we need. Whoever goes to Jesus will never grow hungry, will never be thirsty. He's the one from whom every good thing comes, and that includes the people that we've found. I love that story from the best family. And uh, last night after our Saturday night service, we had a record 300 people signed up for their group. And I know I'm just joking. You're like, if that's what life group is and they're baking bread, I want in on that. And, uh, you know, I, I actually one week they did, they, they said, hey, we want to do this video. And, uh, they, I, you know, they said, this is uh, this challah bread. I'm like, man, I've never had it. And they, they brought it by. And uh, my family, my kids and I, we devoured about five minutes. And, uh, and for you life group leaders, one, this is another reason to sign up for groups. And two, some of you are like, man, that's pretty cool. And Lenny actually shared with us her recipe that she's perfected. If you text the word, bread to 81212, you will get her recipe, all right? And so, you know, we want, we, this is what life groups are all about. You know, it's not just to show up and because if, if you don't, Jesus won't love you. No, life groups are all about knowing Jesus and it's about knowing one another and the power of being God's community, God's people together. And this is what I loved on Friday night, my family and I, we went over to a friend's house and uh, we ate with them. Our kiddos about the same age. And so we got to hang out. And one of the most uh, just amazing things happened. They said, yeah, uh, they said, we had some friends invite us into their life group. And there is something powerful when you and I are invited into a relationship, isn't there? 
when people take notice of us, when people invite us in. And that's why we're doing this series called I Am. We're looking at the seven statements in the book of John where Jesus says who he is. He says, I am. And this is, he begins to talk about all these things. And the whole goal of this series is this. It's not that you would just know about Jesus, but that you would know Jesus. You would know the one who's inviting you into a relationship with him. He knows everything about you. Even the parts that you want to hide or you don't want to talk about or you want to avoid, he knows that. And even when he still knows that, he invites you and I in to this relationship. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes when we hear these I am statements, uh, they just kind of sound a little abstract, kind of out of date maybe. You know, today we're going to look at John chapter 6, verse 35. We're going to look kind of all throughout John chapter 6. If you have your Bible, you can turn there or open your Bible app or it'll be on the screen. And this is what Jesus says. Lenny said it in the video, Jesus is talking to his followers and to the Jewish community there. And he says, hey, listen, he says, I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. And he says, he who comes to me will never go hungry. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never go thirsty. Now, as soon as I read that, you know, sometimes we don't have the context of why he's saying that. As soon as I read that, I don't know about you. I love me some bread. Anybody like you are waiting to go up to Huber's for the fried biscuits and apple butter. If you want to know that Jesus loves you, go and eat a fried biscuit with apple butter, right? And there's something about that bread. Matter of fact, this is why I love going to eat at Texas Roadhouse. I guaranteed to always leave full, right? I have like 14 of those rolls and cinnamon butter, right? And I just, I just love it, right? I love it. Now here's the problem. For me, I love it. And then here's my problem. All the diets today say what? Don't noty bread, right? If you want to get in ketosis, right? I go unconscious. I don't go into ketosis, right? You know, when I don't have bread, they're like, if you, if you want to go into ketosis, right, where it starts burning all the sugar, don't eat bread. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes we can see that passage and go, I guess Jesus is out of date. I'm the bread of life, and today you're not supposed to eat a bunch of bread because it's bad for you and too many carbs and this, that, and the other. And here's what happens. We begin to lose Jesus in the context of what he's saying. You know, if you're new to the state of Indiana, this is what you'll find out in the state of Indiana real quick. We're, we're the land, what's our nickname? Indiana what? Hoosiers. And we all know what the Hoosiers are, right? No, nobody knows what a Hoosier is, right? Like, nobody knows, but we are one of them, right? You know, whatever it is, we're a Hoosier, right? And, and here's the thing, you are, you're in the Hoosier state, and here's why Hoosier, right? One of the greatest basketball movies, if not the greatest basketball movie of all time. Hoosiers, right? And here's what you know about Indiana. We're, this whole state, the background, the context, we're basketball, right? We're about the underdog, about David defeating Goliath, Milan High School, all this other stuff. This is the context of our state. So here's why we need to understand the context of what Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. He's not just talking about Subway, right? He's not just talking about Texas Roadhouse, right? He's not just talking about these things. We need to know the history of what he's saying. And Lenny was talking about that because manna was a very important thing in the Israelites' journey. Because here's what happens. If they didn't have the bread, they die. They die in the desert. Because the, here's the story. Here's the whole narrative of Scripture. If you don't know the whole story of Scripture, it's this. God created all things good. Adam and Eve sin. They mess it up. God takes a broken people, and he calls his people, 
the Israelite nation and he goes, you're going to be a weak people, but I'm going to be your strong guy and I'm going to provide everything that you need. And when they leave Egypt, here's what happens. When they leave Egypt, when God delivers them out of Egypt, they get to the desert place, but here's the thing. They're out of grain, they're out of bread, and they're out of provision. See, bread was all about provision. Our hunger, your hunger is this. We go to a place of provision when we're hungry. That's what the hunger is. So when Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, he's not just talking about a physical bread. He's talking about what satisfies our soul, what saves our soul. And without this bread, we die. Without this bread, you and I, we've chased things in this world only to find out they are empty calories, aren't they? We give your life to it only to see on the other side it couldn't live up to what it's promised. See, what we want to do is when we read a scripture like this, we want to see the whole context. And, and listen to what it says here in John chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus was reverting back to that. Sometimes we just lift a statement out, but if we really want to understand the statement of I am the bread of life, listen to what he says in John chapter 6, verse 32. He says, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread of heaven. See, God wants to pour out the things that can actually save our soul. For this, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What the Jews were waiting in this time for the Messiah was this. They thought that when the Messiah would come into the world, they would literally, this Messiah would literally bring bread from heaven, the manna from heaven with him to prove that he's the Messiah. And Jesus shows up and he says, I've come from heaven and I've come to give life to the world. See, today in your hunger, in your desperation, Jesus says, I have bread for you that this world cannot offer you. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. We want this bread. And then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. See, the tension for you and I today is this. Will we actually allow Jesus to be our bread of life? You know what's better than making bread? Eating bread, right? You know, like, guys, I won't ask you deep questions. Don't worry, right? You know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, eat, right? You know what's better than making bread? It's breaking bread. This is where you've seen, maybe if you reflect on your own life and your own journey with Jesus, it's this, probably this is what's happened a number of times in my own life, in times where I went in a dark, a dark place. I remember my youth minister would come by when he knew things were not right in my life. He said, Nate, let's, let's go get dinner. And yes, I needed to eat, but you know what I really needed? I needed the bread of life back in my life. And what happened is oftentimes over meals is when I came back to the bread of life. And this is the opportunity for you and I today that Jesus is saying is this, He's going, I want you to break bread with me, the bread of life. I don't want your life just to be about making bread. You know, that's an analogy a lot of people use for making money. God, make that bread. God, make that bread. God, get that bread. Why? Because you believe something will satisfy your soul. Can I just let you know that the first temptation of Satan gave Jesus in the desert, you remember what it is? Turn these what? Stones into what? Bread. You know what his first temptation to him was? Make something of yourself. 
Don't feast on your father and who God says you are. Jesus, prove it. Last week, we talked about the Jews' reaction to Jesus when he said he is the light of the world was this. They picked up stones to kill him. See, the invitation of Jesus is this. He's going, here's why I want you to feast on the bread of life. It's this. If we're not careful, we'll believe the lie of the world. We'll believe the lie of Satan. It's this, is that you have to make something of yourself. Let me just ask this question of you. Do you believe that Jesus actually wants to break bread with you? That he would actually want to spend time with you? He'd want to eat with you. He'd want to hear your story. He'd want to offer you life. I'm serious. Go do a study of all the meals that Jesus ate. You know who he ate with? He ate with those who thought he would never have time for. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. You're making me lunch. Right? I love it. Jesus changed lives over meals. And see, this is what Satan's temptation is for you and I is this. Go make something of yourself instead of letting Jesus make something of you. See, this is the invitation of the bread of life, is the bread of life invites us to feast with him. We hear that phrase all the time, right? Feast or what? Famine. Jesus says, I want to be your feast in your famine. I want you to feast on me. When everything has let you down, when you've hit rock bottom, I want you to feast with me. If you're taking notes, this is what I love about this passage. It's this. It's that the bread of life invites us to come hungry. Did you hear that after Jesus says, I'm the bread of life? He says, I'm the bread of life. Who, and he says this, he who comes to me will never go hungry. Now, here's what I love about Jesus. It's an open book test with him, right? Jesus says, you know how you get satisfaction in life? You know how your life is full? You come to me hungry. Let me ask this question of you today. Just do a little self-reflection. What are you desperate to have changed in your life today? Some of you here today, you're going, I'm here because I need a new start. And Jesus says, bring that hunger to me. Some of you are here today and you're going, man, I need purpose for my life. I mean, I got baptized a long time ago, but I, 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 you know, I, I want my life to count. And Jesus goes, you bring that hunger to me. Some of you are going, I, I feel like there's a change going on in my life, but I'm not sure the direction. I'm not sure what it is. And Jesus says this. Here's what he says. He goes, come to me. Sometimes that's our problem with Jesus, isn't it? He probably doesn't want that. He, he probably doesn't have time for this. Let's just let Jesus speak for himself, okay? And Jesus says... Come to me, because when you come to me, here's what will happen. You will never go hungry again, because this is what he knows. You will have purpose, you will have meaning, you will have fulfillment, you will have grace for the things that don't give you grace in this life. Do not believe in the lie that you have to make yourself, but come break bread with Jesus. Come feast on the living one who gives us a fresh start. Come feast on the one who gives us strength when we're out of strength. What I love in this passage is this. Four times Jesus says this. He says, I'm the bread of God. He says, I, I give life to the world. He says, I'm the bread of life. And that word life, it means this. There's two different words for life in the Bible. One is bio, like biology, you know, life. And it's 10 times in the scriptures. But the word that Jesus uses for life here is in the Bible 135 times and it's the word zoe and it means this it means vitality and life to the full in John chapter 10 10 Jesus says this he says Satan has come to kill still and destroy 
He's come to put a rock of heaviness in your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your identity. He wants to destroy your work. He wants to destroy your dreams. But Jesus says this, I have come that you may have life and life to the what? Full. Jesus is going, I'm not here to take life. I'm here to give life. And the bread of life comes in. The question is this, will you actually bring what you're hungry for to the bread of life? Jesus is going, I've just asked you to come and feast on me. Here's why this is important. Someone's going, what's the spiritual connection with this? Here it is, you ready? Our hunger that we have in our hearts and our lives, not talking about your stomach, but in your hearts, in your spirit, it's this. The hunger that you and I have is a test. It's a test. And the test is this. For what you desire, where are you going to go? What are you going to feast on to fulfill you? Matter of fact, all the way back in Exodus chapter 16, when manna, when the bread that God gave them in the desert came up, listen to what it says in verse 2 of Exodus chapter 16, when the Israelites came out of Egypt, it says this in verse 2, it says, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. It said, the Israelites said to them, if we had only died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around with pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. This is the first recording of the word hangry in scripture, right? We think that's something new that we came up with, right? This is the first thing of hangry. And we say some things in inappropriate ways when we're hungry and we're angry, aren't we? And here's what's happening here. The Israelites, they get delivered. They get, they get brought out of Egypt. They saw an incredible miracle. God parts the Red Sea. They leave. And only, it only takes them six weeks later to be mad at God. Isn't that interesting? God, what have you done for me lately? Well, I... Yeah, I rescued you from hell. I mean, that's kind of that's cool, right? And, and, you know, through Jesus and his sacrifice, and, and I gave you my Holy Spirit, and, and I've gifted you, and I've provided for you, and I have a calling for you, and I gave you a new identity. I guess that's what I've done for you. And here in the desert, here's why. When we get anxious, oftentimes, here's what happens. When we get anxious, we get angry. When there's that sense of how am I gonna be provided for, what's gonna happen next, we just start getting anxious. And when we get anxious, man, we get angry. And we get nervous and we say some things. And here's what happened, isn't it interesting? All they could think about was food in their time of need. And this is what they did. Instead of going to God, they wanna go back to slavery. You will take your hunger somewhere. You will go after, I will go after something. And in this moment, this desert moment where they're going, we're out of bread, we're out of grain. Here you are, you just brought us to die, Moses. Verse four, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. See, here's the problem. The Israelites could only look to the ground when they needed to look to God. I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. And in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days for Sabbath. Like you heard about in the video on Saturday. God's going, I'm going to provide enough for you to even be able to rest on Saturday. 
So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. This is what he's done. He's rescued you. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses, don't be mad at me. Be mad at God, right? But here's what I love. Just got to ask this question. Why do you think, because God, God could do anything. He could have given them enough bread for the entire week in one setting, right? Why do you think he wanted them to come out every day and to get bread? He wanted to break bread with them. Hey, remember, I know you're in a desert place right now, but I'm the one raining down bread from heaven. See, the gift of God is this. He gives us what you and I cannot even give ourselves, which is the grace of God. And every day, this is why he says, at night, I want you to remember it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, I want you to see the glory of the Lord. And you know what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus? That at night, we remember he's the one who saved us. And when we wake up, we remember today is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it because he is the one who has saved me. And at noontime, when you've already blown up in your morning meeting and you've wrecked your day, you come back to the bread of life and you go, God, I need you today because I'm looking to everything else. And here's what God wants. God, the living God, wants to do this. He wants to rain the bread of life down in you through Jesus so that every day, every moment, you are walking and breaking bread with the living God. See, this is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. He's not waiting for you to make yourself. He's saying, I'm just waiting for you to bring your hunger to me because only I can satisfy every morning, every day, every night. So what are you feasting on? Where are you going with the hunger in your heart and in your life? This is what I love in John chapter 6, verse 4. This is what's so powerful. This John chapter 6, it's one of the richest theological books uh, that that we have recorded in the scriptures. There's so much I can't even cover. But in verse 4, this is what it says in John chapter 6, verse 4. It says, it was the Jewish Passover feast was near. So when Jesus says he is the bread of life, everybody was already thinking about the manna that had rained down. They're already thinking about it. And it says the Jewish Passover feast was near. And when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, one of his disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? This is the feeding of the 5,000. So you got 5,000 men, plus you got women and children, probably eight, 10,000 people here. And Jesus says this question, where shall we buy bread for people to eat? And he asked this only to test Philip for he already had in mind what he was gonna do. Don't you love Jesus' sense of humor here, right? If you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, you just got to read the scriptures. Philip, there's 10,000 people. Where are we going to buy all this bread? <laughs> like, can't you just see him in this body? He's like, and here's what he's doing. He's trying to get Philip, and it says this. He was testing Philip to go where? Where are you going to go, Philip? All Philip can say is this. He starts doing his calculating math. Jesus, if everybody gets a bite, that's like eight months of salary. We can't even get this. Oh, da, 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 da. Jesus, we can't. Andrew comes up. He goes, I stole a kid's lunch. I got five loaves, two fish. What are we doing? What are we going to do with this, Jesus, right? Right? Here's their whole prerogative. It's this. They're just looking to their neighbor. They're doing calculations. What they failed to do? Look to the bread of life. Look to the bread of life. Here's what happens when you and I begin to look to the bread of life. He can always do more in our life than we could ever do on our own. 
You can always do more. Even with the little we have, God, I only have five loaves and two fish. This isn't even enough for me. And Jesus goes, give me what you got. Look to me. See, here's the power of Jesus. He can always do more with the little that we have than we could ever do with all that we have. He's just going, I just want you to look to me. In our desert place, in our famine place, in this place where we're looking around going, Jesus, I don't know how I'm going to move forward Jesus, I've wrecked my marriage. Jesus, I've wrecked my job. I don't know who I am. I've forgotten your ways. And here I am in this desolate place. And he just simply says this. I'm the bread of life. Bring your hunger to me. But see, here's the thing. It's not just a one-time thing in this passage. This is what I love about Jesus. He says this. He says, I'm the bread of life, and he who comes to me will never go hungry. He goes, because I'm going to always provide. I am your provision. Don't look to anything else. But then he says this, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, this word believe isn't just to agree with Jesus. Here's what the word believe means in the scripture. It means this, to become a follower of Jesus. Not just one time that you would bring your hunger to Jesus, but that you and I all the time, every day, would begin to say, God, I'm going to follow you. God, I might not see how you're going to provide in this situation, but I'm going to follow you. And here's what the bread of life is doing when he says this. The bread of life is changing our diet. I have this talk probably every month with my wife. And I said, yeah, this this next week, this month, I'm really going to get in shape. Right? When does the diet always start? Monday, right? You know what I'm saying? And it's like Sunday night, we're like, oh, I can just eat whatever, because tomorrow, man, tomorrow I'm going to get for it. And then Monday night, we're like, Tuesday, right? The diet starts on Tuesday, right? And every month, I'm like, oh, I'm going to run three times a week. And, oh, I'm going to do these push-ups. All oh, right. And I start making these plans. And, and my wife's like, oh, that's good, Nate. Yeah, yeah. I would appreciate it, but yeah, you know. And, and, you know she's just listening to me, and she's just letting me babble and all this other stuff. And then she'll just say this, change your diet. I know, but I really got to get running. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Change your diet. Here's the thing. I don't want to change my diet, right? I don't want to change my rhythms. I, you know, I love me some Fritos, right? I'm like, oh, those are my coping mechanisms. Okay, right? That's why I love Fritos. And here's what I know. It's this. There are rhythms, and not just food, but there are rhythms in our life that we go to. And Jesus says this. He goes, when you come to me, I'm the bread of life. And when you come to me, you won't go hungry because I'll fulfill you. I'll give you your identity. I'll give you your purpose. But then he says this. You've got to believe in me. See, this isn't just a one-time moment. Great, I got baptized. Now it's kind of my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven. No, 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 no. No, we come to him. And then we follow him. We believe in him. We're we're longing for things, but here's the thing. He says, hey, you got to change your diet. You got to begin to feast on me. This conversation begins to break out with the disciples. He feeds the 5,000. Right after that, he walks on water. This is what I'm telling about John chapter 6. I can't even get into all the stories here. But in John chapter 6, right after he walks on water in verse 25, it says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked Jesus, Rabbi, when did you get here? When did you get here? Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Meaning this, Jesus saying, you're looking for me just to get what you want, but you don't want me. You don't want me. Do not work for food that spoils, Jesus says, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man 
will give you. I, I want to give you this. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And when they asked him, what must we do to do the work, works God requires, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. What he's saying is this, I want you to change your diet. I want you to believe in the one who sent. Here's the diet he's saying. He's going, move from feasting on you have to make yourself to allowing God to make you. To make you new through the power of his spirit. Another word is this, obedience. That you and I would continue to walk in obedience to the calling. Paul puts it this way, since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the spirit. As God is leading us, let us keep following. But here's the thing, if you're going to follow, you got to feast on the bread of life. you got to begin to be people who devour this. Matter of fact, one of the things in your cup holders, or maybe if you're on the front row, maybe it fell off of your seat. I want you to pull this out real quick. Uh, matter of fact, what we've done this week is this. We want to encourage you to feast on the bread of life. And we want, we want to encourage you. Maybe you put this in your Bible as a, as a bookmark. We're going to give you one of these every week because every week this is what we want you to do. We want you to feast on who Jesus is. This is what the scripture says. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And here's what we want you to write on this. We want you to encounter a time with the Lord. For some of you, this will be new. For some of this, this will be kind of old, you know, hat that you've always done. You've always met with the Lord. You have your quiet time. But here's what we want to encourage you to write on this card. It's this. It's to be honest with the Lord about where you're feasting on something other than the bread of life. Where are you going? What are you following? What are you looking for to give you your identity, to give you your hope, other than the bread of life? Because the bread of life wants to break bread with us. And here's what happens when you and I begin to break bread with Jesus, when you and I begin to feast on his word, when you and I begin, this is why he says this, he says, here's the work of God. The work of God is to believe in the one who sent. Sometimes it's, it's hard work to believe in Jesus, isn't it? Jesus, I'm in a desert place. And you're asking me to trust you. Asking me to believe in you. Asking me to follow you even when I don't see all these things. Here's what I know about a diet. A diet shocks your system, doesn't it? That's the power of a diet, right? That's why I don't go into ketosis. I go unconscious, right? You, you take bread away from me, I pass out, right? You know, I'm like, oh, right? But here's what happens. In diets, they shock your system. And here's what happens when you and I begin to feast on God's word and we begin more than anybody else's words, more than Satan's temptations, more than our thoughts of ourselves. it's this. When we begin to feast on God's word, when we begin to change our diet, when we begin to believe and to fill ourselves with the truth of God, it begins to change our system. What happens is this. These people, they show up to Jesus and here's the thing. They don't want to get to know Jesus and feast on Jesus. They just want what they can get from Jesus. And Jesus goes, I love you, I'm for you, but here's the thing, that will leave you empty. And I want to leave your life full. Listen to what it says in verse 51, he begins to talk with them. He says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This is my flesh, which I give you for the life of the world. 
Verse 52, the Jews begin to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? This is where it gets real thick. And oftentimes, this is a big theological conversation with a lot of different denominations even today. What's he talking about? Eating his flesh. How can he give, you know, this is weird. Verse 53, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Jesus, this is getting weird. You know what I'm saying? You're like, what are you saying? Here's our problem. They're just thinking about the physical flesh. What he's saying is this. I'm talking about what your heart is feasting on, what you are circling your life around. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks, drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, meaning those who feast and put their trust on Jesus and what he's done to save them through the cross. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Not because you've made yourself, but because the bread of life making you. This is the bread that came down from heaven. And your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on the bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Here's what was happening. Jesus was saying, I need you to change your diet, meaning your life, to feast on me. Where you're looking for provision, Jesus says, it comes from me. The Israelites in the desert were looking to the ground and they were getting hangry and angry at God. And he said, and they needed to look up because that is where the bread comes from. And when you and I are in that place where our souls are weary and thirsty and hungry, he says, I'm calling you to feast on me. Jesus goes on and he says this to him. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it, right? We can all raise our hands. We're like, this is getting real weird, right? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before, talking about the resurrection? Jesus says, see, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing, meaning this, you can't make yourself. It is the Spirit of God that makes us. The words I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life, yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say this, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus knows the rejection you and I go through because guess what? Jesus went through it. When people reject you for choosing the bread of life, here's what you need to know. The bread of life knows the rejection that you and I experience. He offered himself for the world and many people begin to back away. Then he looks, then he looks to his disciples and he says this, you don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12 and Simon Peter answered him, Lord, whom should we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. See, here's what the bread of life does. The bread of life invites us to count the cost. The bread of life invites us to come hungry. The bread of life begins to change our diet. It begins to change us to live not by the power of self, but by the power of the spirit. And then the bread of life does this. It challenges us to count the cost. 
Now, some of you here today, you're going, Nate, I can't count the cost of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The only cost I can count are all my mistakes. Okay, if you're here today and all you can count are your mistakes, Jesus says, that's exactly why I want you to come feast on me. Because I want to lead you from a place of being empty to a place of being full. And he asked Peter that question. Peter, you want to leave too? Peter says, where am I going to go? You are the Holy One of God. See, that's the invitation for you and I today is this. It's to feast on the bread of life. To feast on the bread of life. Right? He's not just the bread of life. He's the living water. And you can hear it pouring down right now. Right? I just love it, man. I'm telling you, God is way better at illustrations than I am. Right? This is what I love about God. I mean, it couldn't have even been any better. He's like, Nate, watch this. I'm like, hey, go for it, right? (laughs) It's just raining down. Question for you. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Your old way. Dead end. Heavy. Crushing you. Jesus goes, I'm the bread of life. Come on, come hungry, come broken, come with no identity, because I'll give you one. Come with all your chains and all your baggage. And here's the power of Peter. You remember this, he confesses Jesus here, but it wasn't very long till what what Peter do? He quit confessing and he messes up. And it was a teenage girl who said, when Jesus was arrested and he was going to the cross, it was a teenage girl who said, hey, Aren't you one of his followers? And a teenage girl freaks Peter out and he runs away and he denies Christ. You remember how Jesus restored Peter? After he went to the cross, he rose again and he made breakfast for Peter. See, this is what Jesus knows. You know what's better than making bread? It's breaking bread. Jesus has time for breakfast for Peter. After he said, yes, you are the Lord, and then he denies him. And Jesus says, hey, I want to make breakfast for you. And he begins to ask him these questions, and this is all he asks him. He says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Three times, to match the three times, he denied him. And he did it over breakfast. Could it be for you today that today... God is opening your heart and mind to actually know this. The bread of life broke his body open for you and poured himself out for you so that you could live life with him and life to the full. Here's what I love. Every time when Jesus would do this, when he would take communion with his disciples, and Paul even says this in 1 Corinthians, he says this. He goes, every time you take this bread and this juice, he says, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in the one who's come to break bread with us. He says, you don't need to go make yourself. You come hungry after me. Here in a moment, we're going to take communion. But before we do, we're going to sing. And what God just wants for you and I in this moment as we sing is just to have grateful hearts to go, God, you actually want to meet with me. And so if you would, why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing. We're going to open our hearts. And today in this moment, I want to invite you. I'm going to invite you to come to the bread of life.
during the song, if there's places in your life that you're going, Jesus, I need you to make me new in this place. Or you need to come back to the bread of life today. During the song, do that, and then we'll come and we'll take communion together. But let's sing right now.